You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. So I finally want to give you the real reason why I wanted to study the book of Daniel. It's because I get paid by the verse. (laughs) Actually, Daniel, like the rest of Scripture is just as relevant in our time as it was, let's say in Daniel's, 2,600 years ago. It's about loving and serving God in the midst of a godless culture. Let me get us caught up to where we've been. The storyline is this. The year was 605 BC, and we're learning a lot about the nation of Babylon that was empowered by a demonic spirit that continues in our day through people and nations. And it will continue into the future until Jesus comes to crush it. At that time, the leader was a king, worshipped as a god. His name was Nebuchadnezzar. The Babylonian empire, over which he ruled, was headquartered in the country of Iraq. But that empire encompassed what we know of as Israel, Lebanon, Syria, Turkey, Jordan and Egypt, and he had absolute power. We learned in chapter one that he marched his army into Israel to conquer God's people and to plunder God's temple. In chapter two, he had a dream from God that he couldn't understand. So Daniel interpreted it because the spirit of God resided in Daniel. In chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar builds this 90-foot golden statue. Now, whether that statue was of King Nebuchadnezzar himself or one of his many gods, we don't know for sure, but in any case, it was still wrong. He builds this statue, and he tells everyone, you must worship and bow down to this statue. Everyone does, except for three people. We know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were put into a fiery furnace. But they are untouched. (laughs) Because King Jesus got off his throne and came into that furnace with them. Now when we pick up Daniel chapter 4, he is no longer a teenager. He's probably around 45 or 50. Which means he's been serving Babylon for some 30 years. And in this chapter, Nebuchadnezzar is going to tell his own story of how he goes crazy and literally loses his mind. He disappears for seven years and then returns. And chapter four is kind of like his state of the union address. He looks back over what has happened those seven long years. Chapter four opens this way. King Nebuchadnezzar to the nations and peoples of every language who live in all the earth. Here's his press conference. It's like he stood behind the podium and he's given his prepared statement. May you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about all the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. Now, the first major theme that we see in this chapter is God's kingdom compared to his kingdom. 
point is this. We're all building something. Families, businesses, ministries. We're all building something. It's either a part of God's kingdom or it's not. Building as a part of God's kingdom means that it's done to God's glory. The problem is Nebuchadnezzar has built this impressive, powerful empire, but it's not part of God's kingdom. As a result, it's in conflict with God's kingdom. The point is this, build your family as part of God's kingdom. Build your business as part of God's kingdom. Let us build our church as part of God's kingdom. Whatever you have, whatever you do, don't build your own little empire. Instead, invest in the kingdom of God. The second major theme is the most high God versus lesser rulers. In many pagan religions is the concepts of lots of gods and goddesses. It was that case in the Babylonian empire. And over all the gods and goddesses was Nebuchadnezzar. Then Daniel shows up and says, well, actually, there's a higher king. And he rules over everyone and everything everywhere. And the third major theme is who gets the glory. Every time Daniel plays a vital role, he gives testimony to God. He'd say things like, I can't do it, but God can. And every time that Nebuchadnezzar plays a vital role, he gives testimony to himself. It's all about I, me, myself. So when you tell your story, who gets the credit? If it's all about you, that's a biography. Here's what I did. Here's how I overcame. If it's all about God, that's a testimony. Here's what God did. Here's what God did in me. Here's what God did for me. And what is a testimony? It's simply a witness to God's power and presence. I, Nebuchadnezzar was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. That's an understatement. This guy is living large. He says, I had a dream that made me afraid. This is the second dream that God has given him. You see, God was the only one who could get through to Nebuchadnezzar because you can't hide from God, you can't run from God. As I was lying in bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon, now I'm not sure why they were called wise men. They don't seem to do anything. They're of no help. They don't have any answers. They don't lead anyone to discover the truth. They're basically college professors. <laughs> that, that went over really well in the first service. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners, all of those that are related to the false religion came, I told them the dream. Surprisingly, they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came to my presence and I told him the dream. He is called Belteshazzar, that's his Babylonian name, after the name of my God, 
and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. Now, this helps us understand Daniel. Three times in this chapter, Nebuchadnezzar is going to look at Daniel and say, the spirit of God is in that guy. I said, Belteshazzar, Daniel, chief of the magicians, which was his way of saying chief of the wise men, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you. There's the second time. And no mystery is too difficult for you. Here is my dream. Interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the wild animals found shelter, and the birds lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in bed, I looked, and there before me was a holy one, a messenger coming down from heaven. Is this an angel? Who is this? He called in a loud voice. Cut down the tree and trim off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots bound with iron and bronze remain in the ground and the grass of the field. Let him, which will become evident in a few moments, who that is, let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by for him. That means seven years. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know that the most high is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. It means God is in charge of whoever's in charge. This is the dream that I, Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belteshazzar, Daniel, tell me what it means. For none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me. But you can. Because the spirit of the holy God is in you. What Nebuchadnezzar is saying is this. I got a revelation from God. And only a child of God can interpret it. A couple of things we see. Number one, God rules over human rulers. God sets up kingdoms and takes them down. God sets up kings and takes them down. God rules over human rulers. That should give us all comfort. Because ultimately, God is in control of who's in control. Number two, God not only rules over physical rulers in the seen realm, he rules over spiritual rulers in the unseen realm. You see, in addition to the physical world that we do see, is a spiritual world that we don't see, and God rules over both. All this to show that God is at work doing a lot of things that we don't see. And in Daniel, his messengers, God's messengers, are described as angels hosts of heaven, divine beings, all of which, again, to say, there is a lot more going on in this world 
than you and I think, know, or see. And we need to trust God to be at work behind the scenes doing what we're not seeing. So these are his servants in the unseen realm. You are his servants in the seen realm. Then Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. This means Daniel got the interpretation from God, but he's troubled. Why? Because he has faithfully served for some 30 years one of the most wicked men in the history of the world. Nebuchadnezzar is mentioned more than any other pagan ruler in the Bible, and it's almost always in a negative light. However, when Daniel gets a word from God about the doom and demise of Nebuchadnezzar, he's heartbroken because he still wants the best for Nebuchadnezzar. You know, Jesus taught us to love our enemies. Daniel is loving his enemy. Some say, I can't love them. Then you need a miracle. His name is the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul says in at least a couple of places that at one time we were enemies of God. And if God loved us who were his enemies, he empowers us to give his love to our enemies. And that's exactly what Daniel is illustrating and doing. So the king said, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. In other words, tell it. Belshazzar, Daniel answered, my Lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries, the tree you saw, which grew large and strong with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves, abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the wild animals, having nesting places in its branches for the birds, your majesty, you are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. Nebuchadnezzar, you've won every battle. You've won every dollar. Your majesty saw a holy one, a messenger coming down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the wild animals until seven years pass by for him. This is the interpretation, your majesty. And this is the decree, the most high. All right, who's this decree from, the most high? What does Nebuchadnezzar do? He gives decrees. And now he gets a decree. God is showing him, you are not the most high. Now Nebuchadnezzar has a decision to make. Will he surrender to the most high God or will he stand in defiance as if he were the most high God? There is this battle between the real God and one who thinks he's a God. Daniel continues, this is the interpretation of your majesty and this is the decree the most high has issued against my Lord, the King. You will be driven away from people. 
You will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. You will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you. Seven years worth of this. Daniel's saying, you're going to lose your mind. Where's he going to sleep? Where's he going to live? Outside. He's got a palace with a chef, and he's going to be out in some wilderness eating grass. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Here's what God commands. Renounce your sins by doing what's right. And renounce your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. What Daniel's telling him, you need a change of heart, you need a change of mind, you need a change of life. He's saying you're a sinner. You need deliverance. You need to know there's a savior. Three things. Don't choose defiance over repentance. You and I, we need forgiveness of sins. We're not perfect, and any time you say, I don't apologize, I don't say sorry, I don't admit I'm wrong, you're being defiant and untruthful. You're saying, there's nothing in me that needs to change. Don't raise your hand to answer this, but how many of you grew up in a home where your dad was a Nebuchadnezzar? He never said he was wrong, never said he was sorry, never owned his failures. That's the spirit of Nebuchadnezzar. And we all have this little Nebuchadnezzar that lives in us. If you don't think it's true, ask your spouse. Number two, forgive first. Why is Daniel heartbroken over Nebuchadnezzar's impending fate? Shouldn't he be celebrating? You're going to go crazy. You're going to live out in the yard and I'm going to take over. You're finally getting what you deserve. There is none of that in Daniel. He's already forgiven. How do I know? He said, God said, stop oppressing people and abusing them. That would include Daniel. And you know, if you take it personal, you make it personal. Daniel doesn't say, you did this to me and I'm the only victim here. Remember, he was taken as a teenager, made into a eunuch, been serving a foreign king in a foreign land for 30 years. He's got a lot of forgiving to do. And you know he has. Because when he's got a hard word to bring, he does it with a tender heart. Because he's already forgiven Nebuchadnezzar. And number three, it's easier for people to hear you when you love them. If you know somebody loves you, When they have to say something hard or corrective, you're more likely to receive it. Daniel has loved and faithfully served for a long time. And sometimes bad news, truth in this case, is like a withdrawal, which means you got to make lots of deposits. Love is how you make deposits. 
And so he has already built up a lot of deposits in his relationship with Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar knows in this relationship that what Daniel tells me is true. The story goes on. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, our God is patient, right? One year Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. Now, it could be that what he's overlooking are one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. The hanging gardens of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar built those. He took uh, trees, greenery, flowers, and in the middle of a desert, made this cascading garden, hanging garden is referred to. And he did it because of his wife. She was a Mede, Medes and Persians, meaning she was originally from Iran. The country of Iran is not as much desert as many of the Middle Eastern countries are, especially Iraq, which is, remember, where Babylon is. She longed to see trees and greenery and, and, and you know, luscious growth it says something about Nebuchadnezzar. Maybe he does have a tender heart after all. He built all that for her because she longed to see that again. So maybe he's walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon and he's overlooking all this. And he said, is not this the great Babylon I have built? <laughs> I'm awesome. Look what I've done. Is this not the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? I did it. I built heaven on earth. Even as these words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all the kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. Nebuchadnezzar has a hard heart. But it's not God's fault. It's his fault. I mean, look, God sends Daniel. God sends a dream. God rescues three people out of a fire. God then gives Nebuchadnezzar another dream and an entire year to change. And after all of this, Nebuchadnezzar is still declaring war against God. God has shown him his sin, his rebellion, and he remains steadfast in it. He's, he's defying God. And ultimately, Nebuchadnezzar loses his grip on reality. Now, I want, I want to make sure you hear me correctly Sometimes mental health issues are physical. It's chemical. It's biological. You need a doctor. You need medication. Sometimes it's physical because our bodies in a fallen world are broken. Sometimes the issue is mental. 
You've been through trauma, crisis, abuse, and it's triggered. It's like PTSD. You relive those moments and you need to mentally figure out how to respond differently than the traditional fight or flight response. So sometimes mental health issues, they're physical. You need a doctor, you need medication. Sometimes they're mental. You need a counselor and, a, and a new habits. Sometimes it's spiritual. This is where a doctor can treat the body, a counselor can treat the mind, and, and I'm for both. But only God can work at the level of the soul. And so what happens here with Nebuchadnezzar? He can go to a doctor, but there's no medication that's going to fix his situation. He can go to a counselor, but there's no coping mechanism by which he's going to become healthy and whole. What he needs is deliverance. Deliverance is when God shows up with his presence and power and in an instant delivers someone supernaturally so they are forever changed. Occasionally you'll hear this. I was addicted and God delivered me. I haven't had a desire since. Others may say, well, I was physically addicted. It was a real fight and I needed someone to come alongside and bring me through this. What Nebuchadnezzar needs is God to deliver him from himself. And I believe what's happening here is demonic possession. He is so hard-hearted and, and proud and rebellious that he has opened himself up to demonic power. Now, there is a case study of this in the New Testament. There's a demoniac who lives outside of a town because everyone is scared of him. He has superhuman strength. He breaks through anything that they're trying to bind him up with. Medication, counseling wasn't going to fix him. But Jesus delivers him. The demon is cast out and the text says that immediately his mind is returned. Here's what I'm saying. Some of you need a doctor. Some of you need a counselor. Some of you need God to break whatever has its grip on you. You need God to show up with his power and his presence. All right, now the question is, does Nebuchadnezzar convert? Does he get saved? Does he receive forgiveness of sins? At the end of that time, the end of seven years, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven. I stopped looking down on people and I looked up to God. And my sanity was restored. That's deliverance. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. God, you're awesome. You're great. Living with the grass, eating the grass, that was different, but I now know that I'm not the boss. He keeps going. Speaking of God, His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. That includes Nebuchadnezzar. He does, God does as he pleases. God's in charge. 
He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven. That means he rules over the unseen realm. And he does as he pleases with the people of the earth. That means he rules over the seen realm. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right. All his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. So did he get saved? Maybe. Is he just using God? You know, like, let me just say great things. God, God would want to hear this so I don't have to go back out into the yard. Before we talk more about that, Let's talk about Daniel a second. What's he been up to these past seven years? Faithfully serving without trying to take over the top spot. Let me just say, if he can faithfully serve until that king returns, we can faithfully serve until our king returns. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar. Commentators are split. Some scholars thinks, think that he's just using God, that he's a spiritual phony like Judas was. Others think, well, God got a hold of his heart, that he's like the Apostle Paul, that God flipped to his side. Here's what I would say. Number one, don't worry about other people's salvation. Worry about your own. King Jesus will judge King Nebuchadnezzar like he judges the rest of us. And number two, we do have a responsibility to let others know why we worship him, why our testimony is about God, why we are being faithful. We can't save anyone, but we can point them to the one who can. So what about you? Do you know Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Do you follow Jesus? Is Jesus your king? Do you know that you're a sinner in need of a savior? Daniel came to serve his enemies in Babylon, but Jesus came to serve his enemies on the whole earth. And number three, if you were to look at Nebuchadnezzar and say, I don't think God can save anyone like him, then you don't understand God or salvation. If you understand the grace of God, then you know it is possible for God to extend grace to anyone. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the story of Daniel. Lord, help us to look up. And Lord Jesus, when you hung on the cross in our place for our sin. You died in our place and now are ruling and reigning as exalted King of kings and Lord of lords. Help us worship you alone now and into eternity. And no matter what else is going on in our lives, no matter what we're going through, no matter what issues are facing us, what problems seem overwhelming, God, you are bigger, you're greater. May we have the 
the heart, the character, the attitude of Daniel, who would serve you faithfully. And that is borne out when he serves King Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon faithfully. So what do we do in the midst of our society? We look to you. We look to make an impact. Use us for your kingdom. In this prayer we make in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.